0: I saw a fellow soldier uh, drawing SWAT stickers in uh, what we had, like green book our notebook. and I told the drill sergeant about it because we were at basic training, and he said, it's fine, it's fine. he's he's gonna be a cook anyway, so you know, don't worry about him. And that
1: was that was when I knew. That's like the least safe place for a Nazi, maybe. I don't
2: know. <clears throat> Nazis are known for their cooking.
1: Soup, Nazi. everybody to the habituation room podcast live stream so good to have you here once again on a sunday evening weekends are still ruined for me in this house in this house we don't believe in weekends in this house we believe um cardi b is god the vaccine works and weekends are not real um no what is up everybody thank you so much For being here. Uh, I hope you are doing well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you are uh, socially distanced but not emotionally distanced and just learning how to um, roll with all the punches of this, you know, slow-moving apocalyptic uh, zombie film that we seem to find ourselves in. Um, We have such a good show for you today. Uh, Comedian and labor organizer Nato Green is here for the hour, uh, as well as an organizer with Common Defense, which is a group that works on the behalf of veterans that are working to stop forever wars. Estee Monica is here. Um, and so I'm so excited to talk to them. Um, and uh, I have a few announcements, super, super exciting stuff. Um, one is, that I hope you all listen to the bonus episode, the interview that I did with Yoan Grillo, who is a journalist who writes all about the drug war uh, throughout Central America, Latin America, and the Caribbean, and um, just has a book out about um, the massive amounts of dr- of guns that flow into the southern, through the southern border from the United States and gun manufacturers into uh, Central and South America, um, and just breaking, um, the country of Mexico decided to sue a gun manufacturer in Chicago over specifically that trafficking, over the fact that all of those guns are leading to a massive amount of violence in the same way that survivors and family and friends of people who have been killed by gun violence in the United States, whether in mass shootings or elsewise, are also taking it upon themselves to sue gun manufacturers. So that Was an amazing interview. I hope you guys listen to it. Um, For those who are patrons, you guys got early access to those episodes. And that will continue to happen as we do more bonus episodes. Uh, For all the patrons, you get early access. You can get live access. And I look forward to your questions live. And speaking of live and very safe COVID things, um, we're going to be doing a live show of The Bituation Room in Portland on Thursday, September 2nd, which is the Thursday before Labor Day weekend. Um so if you're in Portland or the Seattle, Portland uh, Pacific Northwest area, hey, why don't you come on out? Why don't you come out? Uh it's on September 2nd, 8 p.m. at the Alberta Abbey, which I believe is a venue. Um, I think it is a venue. It is indoors. We're te- checking vax cards. We're going to be very, very safe. We're gonna encourage mask wearing. It'll be myself. Mr. Matt Lieb is going to be with me, as well as uh, a local Portland BLM activist um, and an editor of of a hip-hop magazine up there, Max Smith, is going to be joining us. So definitely stay tuned for ticket links. I don't have it yet, but it's coming out. Whatevs. Um, And guys, if you're here on YouTube, make sure to press that like button right now, right now, and ring the bell, or when you ring the bell, it'll let you know when I go live. That's what happens. And only a few of you have rung that bell. So ring it right now. And if you're on Twitch, sup? Good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, thank you all for being a sponsor of this show. Like I said, I don't have any bizarre tinctures or beet juices that claim COVID antibodies um, to sponsor this podcast, okay? I don't have any bizarre granola company made in... I don't know, the where, like Vermont, probably Vermont. I don't know, in someone's basement. I don't have any moonshine to sell on this show. This show is supported by you all. And for that, you get extra content. You get access to merchandise, which, yes, again, is coming forthcoming. I will have a big announcement very, very, very soon. And so I want to thank everybody who's been a patron. And if you're not a patron, you can always donate TBR Live on Venmo. Venmo. I can't speak. TBR Live on Cash App. Uh, So for y'all out there, this is the fart song. Thank you so much to all of the new patrons. For $10 or more, you get the shout-out. Max C, Michael M, Theodore C, T Gordon M. Thank you, Kim J, for upping your pledge. And Little Mac, thank you so much for re-entering the innermost cabal of the Frantifa. And thank you to the big tippers. Ah, oh, too much garlic. Uh, Karen K, Anna M, Katrina B, Joey V, Bernard R, thank you so much. And to all the Twitch subs, not a lot of them, but the one, the only one, the only one that matters is Jojo says JoJoSaysACAP. Thank you guys all so much. Guys, patreon.com slash H room, become a patron, get access to all that it- stuff, and our monthly AMAs. We had a great one last month. Wonderful great and with that very very adult um intro to this podcast let's let's get into what we're bitching about this is what are you bitching about i did not know what i was going to bitch about today but i have decided all of you fucking capitalist pigs deserve to die in a fire of your own making because the IPCC report is coming out tomorrow and Greta is angry fucking hell you guys the IPCC report, I'm dropping this is out tomorrow that is the Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change um, which is like our the world's Conscious. It's the, uh, it's like the angel on our shoulder going, Hey, you're fucking up. And it's about 230 scientists. Um, they are, they put out reports every seven years and they sort of give us updates, uh, you know, on like, uh, the apocalypse and how quickly it is approaching. And, um, look, I know people are waiting for the Kanye West album to drop. I know people are waiting for Lil Nas X's album to drop. I'm waiting on Cardi's new album to drop, but the real ones, they're waiting on the IPCC report to drop, which is coming probably when the podcast listeners listen to this and then give the podcast five stars. It's coming on Monday, and I'm just going to go ahead and guess it's going to be bad. Just going out on a limb. Like, it. my guess is it's bad. My guess is we haven't done good things in the last seven years. And that since signing the Paris Climate Accord, which we then backed out of, but then are back in and whatever. We need like five more Paris Climate Accords, but like ones that actually, you know, enact consequences on people. Because it's really more of, you know, like like a gentleman's agreement. Hey, let's try not to die. Cool. Keep making money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, we're at a time right now, it's like, of course, the hottest summer since the last summer, which was the hottest summer since the last hottest summer. Greece is completely on fire right now. So is California. You've got the Dixie Fire burning, you know, one of the largest fires in California. Um, I mean, the world is a tinderbox right now, not to mention, you know, entire cities in Europe being swept away by massive torrential floods. And I'm bitching about the fact that you cannot argue with this science, and that we've seen how COVID shows us, right? That this is like a dress rehearsal for climate change. We're fucking up. We're definitely screwing it up, but um, it's a wake up call, right? And just as we can't go back to the new, you know, normal or the old normal. We can't do that with climate change either. Um, and and sadly, the IPCC is not, you know, uh, an armed body. I wish they were just like, you know, climate change robocops who could uh, just commando and repel down any any presidential palace that doesn't comply um, with their suggestions for how to limit uh, greenhouse gas emissions. But sadly, we don't have that force yet. Um, we've got the American military and. um who knows? Maybe they have a role to play that isn't fucked up in the future. But I'm bitching about the fact that we're going to once again bring up a new generation who is going, who sees and who openly talks about as children the end of the world, right? That, you know, we're supposed to sort of continue on as the skies darken with ash. And we can't offer new generations. Real, concrete hope and suggestions and solutions, and then you've got centrist and you've got S- Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin. Not to mention, not to say anything of Republicans. Republicans are playing a role at this point. They are they, they're marionette puppets. They know exactly what their role is when it comes to calling any action on climate change socialism. Democrats know it's not socialism, right? But they still, time and again chant down things like the green new deal they still time and again uh call it too extreme and too radical i think what we're seeing right now is too extreme and too radical i think this weather is too extreme um and we don't have a choice right this is forcing us to be all all become socialists that's right that's what That's what we're doing. Um, But anyway, I I am bitching about the fact that, like, a lot of folks are not going to take this seriously, and we're just going to sort of turn our heads, turn the pages, and be like, well, oh, well. (laughs) Oh, do we have have four years to stop global warming? Oh, okay, well. Three? Oh, cool. See, I was going to get up. I was going to do something. I was, oh, I'm so tired. Anyway, we've got to do a lot more. I know we have to move on. Um... I want to find out what this gentleman is bitching about. He is my dear friend. He is a very funny stand-up comedian who is also a labor organizer. Please, please welcome Mr. Nato Green.
2: Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, How you doing? uh, (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) Uh, I, I feel like, are you... Are you having the same, like, circular dead-end conversation with more and more people about, like, like where should we move to stay ahead of climate apocalypse? And then everywhere you can think of, would we'll be like, no, 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 we can't move there because that's going to be swallowed by sea level rise. No, we can't move there because that's going to be swallowed by uh, wildfires. No, we can't move there because the Gulf Stream is stopping and the ocean is going <laughs> to stop turning. Oh, we can't move there because it's overrun with Nazis. Like... <laughs> So you're like trying to brainstorm like where to move to get away from the apocalypse have you had that conversation a lot recently because i've have.
1: definitely thought about it where people are like no california is too on fire and i'm like mm, i kind of feel the way I like here's what i'll say about california's brand of climate change is like oh
2: are you about to come, come out and say california could be more on fire
1: it well, it could be worse it could be more yeah. on fire um but also i'm like I feel the like that way about earthquakes. Like I'd take a, I'd take an earthquake and a fire over a hurricane. I'm just going to be real with you. Mm, like hurricanes and tornadoes scare the shit out of me. I think that's, I'm in that level of like awfulness where I'm like, mm, let me pick the way I want to go out. In a, <laughs> that's interesting. I,
2: I am more scared of fires than than hurricanes or earthquakes.
1: That's true. They they move very fast. They re they really are fast. Yeah. And I have a go bag, but like you know, you always like dig into your go bag when you're like, ah, there's a can of soup. I'm hungry. It's lunch. Um. So at this point, I need to restock the go the go bag. Um. um Medo, what are you bitching about today?
2: Well, this is not really a bitch, but this is a good top of the story, top top of the show story. So I have to tell you. So um, tell me and. And you'll like it because eventually it's about you. So, um, uh, so yeah, welcome back. (laughs) Um, so the, um, I have been, uh, working with a personal trainer. Um, there's a guy who, uh, meets me in the, in the, in a park near my house twice a week. Uh, he works me out and then he stretches me in the park and I'm not a small man, uh, But like physically, I'm not a physically small person. Mm-hmm. Um like no one looks at me and is like NATO's a hulking person, but no no one is like he NATO's we. So uh but this guy is so much bigger Wee. than me.
1: I'm
2: like yeah, NATO's we. we NATO's we. Uh but like if if uh we were Russian nesting dolls and I was inside of him, there would still be like four more before it got to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's that much bigger than me. Damn. Um, He's real big, uh, and so we like we work out in the park, and then he stretches me. Mm. And so at first I was like, stret like self-conscious about being stretched, stretched like a pretzel in the park in my neighborhood where people know me." And mm. then I was like, "I don't care. This feels good." So this morning we worked out, and then and his wife was there, and so I was like, "Let me take you guys out for breakfast. That'd be nice." So we went to get breakfast near our house, and. Uh, and it's relevant to the story. My trainer is black. Mm-hmm. And uh, for people who are not in San Francisco, San Francisco doesn't have heckin' black people. No. Uh, we have gentrified them out. And so we're sitting outside at the cafe and um, and my trainer's wife says, uh, Nato, the, there's a guy at the table next to us wearing a t-shirt that has a picture of a guillotine on it and it says, bring them back. And then my trainer's like, what the fuck, Nato, you bring me to a cafe where people are guillotining black people? What's to deal with your neighborhood? And so then I was like, oh, let me handle this. And then I turn to the guy and I go, hey, that's a killing rich people guillotine, not a killing poor people guillotine, right? And the guy goes, yeah, we're good. <laughs> um, and then my trainer's like, okay, cool. That's, thank you. And then the guy goes, hey, are you Nato? And I said, yeah, Yes. And he goes, I recognize your voice from the bituation room. <laughs> so, That's
1: amazing. Uh,
2: shout out to so, Guillotine Man. Shout out to Derek Guillotine Man. Oh, yeah. What's up, Derek? Good to see you today. You're very handsome.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, we miss this crucial so then, detail. Mm-hmm. Then what happened?
2: And then, so then the trainer, the trainer walked away. Derek walked away. I got up to leave, and then some other lady was like. This is so weird that someone would say this, but she was like, Excuse me, I overheard your conversation. Are you on a podcast? Um, so, and I was like, Yeah, this, bro, this is San Francisco 2021. Everyone's on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like the homeless people are on podcast in San Francisco.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, so, it's popping.
2: So uh, she was like, I want to support my neighborhood podcaster. So uh, if Jenny tunes in from the cafe, also, what's up?
1: Um, I love so, what this ho- says about our neighborhood. I used to live where Nato lives. And uh, it, it's just like that that the woman who spoke up wasn't like, hey, how dare you talk about guillotining anyone? Okay, this is a family place. She was like, oh, are you on a podcast?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Support the local arts. <laughs> oh, that's
3: fucking I great. want
2: locavore podcasting. And so so like... So I said to my trainer, like, see, I keep telling you, you don't believe me, I'm slightly famous. Like this guy recognized my voice. I'm famous enough that this guy recognized my voice. That's awesome. And he was like, Yeah, but this is your own fucking neighborhood. Like, that's not a you know really, but I didn't go somewhere know. else. Uh, too- yeah. uh,
1: he's not impressed. You gotta get yeah. bulkier and then he'll be like, Oh, okay, I see you. Yeah. He'll he'll finally respect you. Um, I love that. I love that it's not bitching about anything, it's just a fun story
2: a fun story about a fan of the podcast
1: fuck yeah dude uh, they're out there
2: recognizing did- this sweet deep nato green voice that's blowing out your levels right now
1: <clears throat> um don't ever want to hear that phraseology again but a question for you did you ask him about the fart song do you were like you into the fart song you not in the fart song you know it's very it divides a lot of people
2: it's polarizing it's Polarizing.
1: that's the word
2: uh no i didn't ask okay him about the fart
1: song. next time ask him um <laughs> this is actually really funny. I'm sorry. We we have to move on. But uh, the fart song was was criticized by a mother, I believe, who then apologized for criticizing. She was like, I'm sorry. I was just handling shit all day, like literal shit of with my children. There was poo on the ground. There was poo in the diapers. There was poo everywhere. I was cleaning lots of poo. Just poop everywhere all the time. And then I heard the fart song, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, girl... Like I don't know what that's like, but I also like I hear you, you know. Like if there's a reason to not want to hear farts.
2: And then did you like immediately run out and get your tubes tied?
1: Yeah. Yes. Immediately.
2: Immediately.
1: <sighs> I want. I want to. I can't. I want a little Greta Thunberg baby, but I also don't want a Greta Thunberg. She'd be like, "How dare you bring me into this world? Fuck you." Um. Okay, guys. Like,
2: like a, like a you it would be a nice like Asperger's sweet Swedish baby. Yes.
1: <laughs> Who's going to go change the world for me? Oh, my God. Woo. I'll birth a warrior child. Um, let's get into the week. A lot of things happened this week. Um, after sleeping on the U.S. Capitol steps for three nights, Representative Cory Bush and supporters successfully pushed the Biden administration to extend the eviction moratorium two months, at which point she'll be leading a landless people's army to occupy the same steps. Nina Turner lost the Ohio Democratic primary race by 4,246 votes. And yet, please, centrists, go on about how it's a referendum on progressive politics. Joe Rogan suggested that the COVID vaccine causes Delta variant to his 11 million listeners. The Dixie virus become the second largest wildfire in California history. Some people are taking antiparasitic meds for farm animals or horse paste to ward off COVID because hydroxychloroquine is like so last year. And O.J. Simpson is switching it up and helping people, al- people stay alive uh, by encouraging them to get vaccinated, which is really going to convince that vaccine-hesitant, acquitted murderer demographic uh, whose numbers have been, honestly, really lagging. Uh, for everything else, this is The Week where. What was
2: that, Nino? I was going to say the O.J. thing was going to be helpful for the true crime enthusiasts. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if you want to administer a vaccine, you need to have a glove on, so.
1: <laughs> this is true. Uh, I was trying to do a little bit of a, like, if COVID don't quit, you must inject it. It wasn't really working. It, was, it wasn't happening. wasn't happening, clearly. Yeah. Let's get into it. So this was the week where New York Attorney General Letitia James presented the findings of an independent report revealing that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women. This is what she had to say. The independence investigation
4: found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping,
1: kisses, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. Further, the governor and his senior team took actions to retaliate against at least one former employee for coming forward with her story. Okay, very very compelling. I do want to say that the, there was a lit Attorney General James is um, strangely sultry. Like there's a sultriness in that presentation that was like a little off putting. I'm not gonna. It was like kisses, and I was like, okay, okay.
2: Uh, uh, tell me more. Yeah,
1: wow. Ooh. Um. It, obviously, it's not funny. It's not funny.
2: She, she puts she puts the dick in indictment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
1: no it's terrible because let's go let's go over it the women include a state trooper who Cuomo groped on the butt and repeatedly made sexual advances towards her, asking her why she wanted to get married and telling her that she was too old for him, even though she was in her 20s. And a former executive assistant, Brittany Comiso, who recently spoke out for the first time, who says Cuomo reached under her shirt and groped her as well. This is part of an interview that she gave, I believe to CBS. Why did you
3: file that criminal complaint with the sheriff's
1: office? It was the right thing to do. The governor needs to be held accountable.
3: And just so I'm clear again,
1: mm-hmm.
3: being held accountable to you
1: mm-hmm.
3: means seeing the governor charged with a crime.
1: What he did to me was a crime. He broke the law. Yeah. So Cuomo is now facing calls for resignation once again and an impeachment by his uh, own uh, assembly, state assembly. So they're gathering, they're they're giving him basically till August 13th to present any findings that he has anything that would you know attest to him not doing the harassment and the assault that he did but he's he's got a little bit of that already he's clearly called many pieces of evidence from his own history and presented them in a just a full-throated embrace
2: are you are you gonna show the video i'm so excited (laughs) to see the video i'm gonna
1: show the video Uh, A full-throated, it wasn't me, um, slideshow uh, that he- he, Speaking
2: of OJ, it's (laughs) called, If I Did It.
1: Very, yes, exactly. Um, That he aired uh, right after Letitia James uh, presented those findings.
3: I do kiss people on the forehead. I do kiss people on the cheek. I do kiss people on the hand. I do embrace people. I do hug people, men and women. I do, on occasion, say, chow, Bella. On occasion, I do slip and say, sweetheart, or darling, or honey. I do banter with people. I do tell jokes, some better than others. I am the same person in public as I am in private. You have seen me do it on TV through all my briefings and for 40 years before that, I try to put people at ease. I try to make them smile. I try to connect with them. And I try to show my appreciation and my friendship. I now understand that there are generational or cultural perspectives that, frankly, I hadn't fully appreciated. And I have learned from this.
1: <laughs> I don't think you have, Governor.
2: <laughs> so, Francesco, mm-hmm. as an Italiano, uh,
1: not to be uh, super gendered about it, but
2: uh, as a as the spokesperson of all Italian people, he's saying that this is some Italian culture. Francesca, we've been friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've ever touched. You never touch my face.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: Probably not. I don't. I don't. um No, I haven't. I've definitely. So I, when I greet you, you, I do greet. I grow up your buttocks. Do we know? It's my way of saying ciao, bello. You know, I do the. But like you we just do grope my we just assume that yeah. was my culture.
2: That was a cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right.
1: Yeah, he's referring to being Italian when he says cultural, which is so embarrassing. And yes. As an Italian that is embarrassing, Um, you know, hashtag not all Italians, but also (laughs) hashtag a lot of Italians. Like, I'm not going to be like, let's just be real. Some of them cross the line. Some of them cross the line. But I do feel like this is an affront to the only pandemic Italian zaddy that lives and exists. There is only one. And his name is Antonio Fauci. Cazzo. Antonio, Cuomo, Cuomo doesn't have anything next to Antonio Fauci and Fauci would never do that. No. Okay. But I love the laundry list. Can we just be real? So during this whole slideshow where he's kissing all these people, he's touching all these people.
2: And they they all look sad to be getting touched by him. Like, like there are, they're they're not into it. There's a
1: lot of wincing and a lot of, but it's always, he's like, I kiss people on the hand i kiss them on the cheek i kiss them on the nipples like you know like that like the next thing i kiss black people white people old people young people
2: i kiss kikes
1: as long as they're attractive to me i will kiss them like like it's he's the listing is so wrong it's so wrong um anyway uh you know he just really leaned into this narrative it was like oh i know what we're gonna do we're just gonna go with it bro we're just gonna yeah this is you <laughs> um y- it's
2: it's like uh i mean i just feel like like that that there was a generation of i mean there were many generations of men who were able to get away with doing horrible things to women mm-hmm. and the society, the culture is finally starting to change And there's starting to be the slightest bit of accountability. And then there's a bunch of men who are suddenly like, I didn't know I couldn't do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I just thought I was going to keep getting away with it.
1: Yep. No, exactly. And now that he is. And what's so I think the worst part about Cuomo is. um. The fake allyship, right where he initially starts off his whole press conference by saying that a young woman came to him with and and spoke of her own issues with sexual assault and she sh- and he shouldn't have you know been so close to her well, that young woman is speaking out and she's she's just like very millennial very in terms of being incredibly direct like oh no, no, he wanted to sleep with me yeah, that's what it was yeah and he like you know weaponized my story of sexual assault in order to have an angle. To sleep with me. That's what it was. (laughs) And all the newscasters are like, but do you think you might have misinterpreted? And she's like, no, 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 that's exactly what it was. And, 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 but he's weaponizing also the fact that he's like, he gets it. He's woke. He's an ally. One of his family members was also assaulted. So he knows, and her story resonated with, you know, him because of his family member and da 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 da. He like, they've made strides in the governor's office against sexual harassment. And it's just, it, that is the worst to me about it, where where it's like weaponizing a little bit of the gray area that I think the Me Too movement has brought up, which is like, what you can't even smile at a lady, and he's like, see, exactly, I'm the actual ally. You're you just want to like witch hunt, cancel everybody. Um,
2: right. I kiss people on the mouth. I put my hand under their shirt and touch, cup their breasts yeah. in the way that Italians traditionally do.
1: Exactly. It's a hand gesture. Um, I don't know where they're going. They got to... That's your butt. Okay. It's wrong. It's fucked up. All right. We got to move on. (laughs) This was the week where white nationalist Tucker Carlson took took his Fox News show on the road. No, not to Texas to see the devastating effects of the virus that he's downplayed. Not even to Disneyland to blow the whistle on the so-called woke jungle cruise. He went to Hungary to do... A puff piece on President Viktor Orbán and began and began to explain to his audience why a rejection of liberal democracy is actually where it's at right now, and to further prime them for neo-fascism. Now, remember, Viktor Orbán is a xenophobe, ultranationalist. He's called multiculturalism an illusion. He said Muslims are invaders. He's called terrorists. All, he said that all terrorists are migrants uh, He's cracked down on democratic rule He's currently ruling by decree Took away funding from cities that didn't vote for him Essentially, what, what Trump has always wanted to do um, And where the opposition came to power He's dismantled public universities Specifically ones funded by the Hungarian Jewish billionaire George Soros, of course um, this is a, There's a lot to this But I, want, I really want to play it for y'all Okay, so before we start off So this is Tucker, before he interviews Viktor Orban, telling his audience that there are more freedoms in Hungary than there are in the United States. Uh, And listen to how he explains that.
5: It is bitter to see the contrast between, say, Budapest and New York City. Let's say you lived in a big American city and you decided to loudly and publicly attack Joe Biden's policies, his policies on immigration or COVID or transgender athletes. If you kept talking like that, you would likely be silenced by Joe Biden's allies in Silicon Valley. If you kept it up, you might very well have to hire armed bodyguards. That's common in the U.S. Ask around.
1: Okay, what? Who who is he talking to? You know, the people who hire armed bodyguards because someone didn't like their tweet? Okay, let's keep going.
5: But it's unknown in Hungary. Opposition figures here don't worry that they will be hurt for their opinions. Neither, by the way, does the prime minister. Orban regularly drives himself with no security. <laughs>
1: okay, stop. Orban drives himself with no security um, because he's he's owned the entire opposition. He's clamped down so much, he's not actually afraid of anyone. And the opposition is not afraid because they've just been completely silenced. He's defunded the cities where they've won in. So I don't know what you call that. But anyway, um, yeah. Hey, have you ever noticed how Kim Jong-un, he can just like walk through a crowd of North Koreans and like nobody says shit to him. Isn't that crazy? Uh, All right. So here he is going into the interview, talking about to Viktor Orban and once again, pitting him and against a liberal Democrat like Joe Biden.
5: Migrants appear on your southern border. They appear all over Europe, they stream into Germany, the rest of the EU says, welcome, please come, we can handle it, we're strong enough. Hungary stands alone in saying no. Why? (laughs) Why did you take a different position on, on migration from other European countries?
4: That was the only reasonable behavior. If somebody without getting any permission on behalf of the Hungarian state cross your border, you have to defend your country. And you think you have a right to do that? Of course. That's got from the, it's coming from the God, the nature, so all arguments be, be with us. Because this is our country, this is our population, this is our history, this is our language, so we have to do that. Many European countries decided to open a new chapter of their own history of the nation. They call it a New Society, uh, which is a post-Christian, post-national societies. They believe firmly that if different communities even huge number of, let's say, Muslim communities, and the original inhabitant, let's say, Christian communities are mixed up. Let's say. The outcome of this will be good. There is no answer whether it will be good or bad. But I think it's very risky.
1: OK, so there he is echoing the same thing. So Muslims, uh, Muslim immigrants, bad and uh, nationalism, Christian nationalism, good.
5: I don't think Joe Biden has ever referred to Xi Jinping, for example, who has murdered many of his political opponents, famously, uh, as a totalitarian thug. Why would he he single you? And not just you, by the way, the
4: the Polish government as well. The problem is the success. So it's a real challenge for the liberal thinkers. The, The Western liberals cannot accept that inside the western civilization there is a conservative national alternative which is more successful at at the everyday life at the level of the than the liberal ones that's the reason why they criticize us they are fighting for themselves not against us but we are an example that somebody or a country which is based on traditional values on national identity uh, based on uh, tradition of christianity could be successful or sometimes even more successful than a leftist liberal government. No wonder they don't want you to hear what he says. You don't have to watch your country collapse. You don't have
5: to have leaders who hate the population or divide their own people against each other, who make the country worse, who open the borders, who increase crime, who encourage people to live on the sidewalk and do drugs.
1: (laughs) that's the best part. You know how my favorite
2: part My favorite part was right at the top when, when he was introducing it, he goes, There's a self-own where he says, Tucker Carlson says, you know, these other countries decided that they can that they have immigrants at their borders, that they can accept them because they're strong enough. Hungary, you're not strong enough. You decided to do something different because you're not strong enough to accept immigrants. Tell us about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your weakness. Totally, but- totally. Yeah, no, and then at the end, like, uh, oh, yeah, encourages you to live on the street and do drugs? Yo, man, Biden's never handed me a J, and for that, I'm mad, actually. and
2: yeah, You should only do drugs in your suite on Daytona Beach?
1: Uh-huh. Off the ass of a hooker and, excuse me, sex worker. But no, okay, let's just appreciate how utterly evil it is to prime the Fox News audience to laud a dictator, a, an author like an authoritarian, but more so, a xenophobe, a racist, um, a Christian nationalist like Victor Orban. Like, that is what is going on. He, 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 the full clip, he brings out the map. He tells you where it is. And then he's basically showing this as an example of how, like, look, you can still have a modern society and be like a super Christian conservative right wing ultra nationalist government. And look, Victor's right. I mean, the successes, you know, uh, the successes of, uh, you know, good old Adolf. Um, he had he had some success for a while yeah there was success there didn't end well didn't wasn't ultimately a win but
2: started strong weak finish
1: real weak finish there but like it's so gross to me that this is the kind of shit that they're feeding into fox news viewers and because that is what they want this is what a you know i keep saying like i'm waiting for the trump variant you know what i'm saying well i got the delta variant Who's going to be the Trump variant? Is it going to be Trump himself, back from the dead? Is it going to be Ron DeSantis? Is it going to be Tom Cotton? Is it going to be you know uh, one of the other stooges waiting in the wings? Um, You know, like right, like I'm trying to remember. Matt Gaetz is going to be out of there, but like that's what they want. Josh Hawley. This is they want the Orban-like hungry. They want to clamp down on freedom of the press. Uh, an actual freedom of the press. They want what's going on right now um, in a Central European university, which is the university that uh, George Soros has helped fund, doesn't fully fund it, but it is free public, is that they have lists of so-called leftist intellectuals, like every fascist and <laughs> dictatorship has done in, throughout history. And they've got them on lists. Okay, you're too far left. We're going to, you know, we're going to, follow you we're gonna have you here we're gonna like oust you from your position we're not gonna give you tenure whatever it is um it is so scary it's so fucked up look for everything that you didn't you, you, like for a little bit i was like yeah Tucker, go go do something international go learn from abroad go you know uh, not but, but hungry hungry man of all the places
2: i mean yeah you know what the I mean, what's terrifying, I mean, people talk about this all, you know, it's like the, there's not likely to be someone else emerging in the United States who is quite as media savvy as Trump. But, you you know, when we talk about a more competent fascist, mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about and those people that you're thinking about is like someone who has as violent and hateful politics, but are more competent at managing the apparatus of government.
1: Yes, exactly, and and Orban honestly like is quite determined and yet diplomatic about what about how he expresses his fascism, um, far far more so than Trump. Of course, that's that's a low bar, but like he's doing all the Western civilization language that the right you know needs and always does when they really mean essentially Nazism. Anywho, right.
2: on a lighter note.
1: On a lighter note, uh, we got to move to one last story. It's not that light. Um, Before we bring in our guests, I'm super excited to have them. Um, This was the week where the Biden administration decided to keep in place a Trump-era rule on immigration that utilizes the pandemic as a pretext to detain and deport migrants coming into the United States. The majority of those deported under the ruling are those seeking refuge from violence in Central America, but also uh, from Haiti. Um, A lot of Haitian immigrants have been deported back to that whatever that situation is there. Um, And let me just say, you know what brings COVID if you're concerned about immigrants in a pandemic? Um, Putting them all together in a prison, that will ensure COVID. Uh, And in fact, many detention centers have been hit by COVID. Um, But I just wanted to show you the rise in detentions yes there's been more of a rise in an influx in immigration in migrants but even under trump it was falling and then biden has increased that so and and especially when it comes to asylum seekers people who have passed their screenings so the number of asylum seekers who passed their initial screenings lept, leapt from 1700 in april to 3400 in late june making up about 13 percent of all detainees now a lot of folks are saying look just we have ankle monitors there's ways to track people. Why do you need to detain people? And so it's like one, two steps forward, mostly, I don't know, half a step forward and three steps back, there's been a little bit of progress. Um, a couple of controversial ICE contracts on detention centers, one in Georgia, another in Massachusetts, were terminated. Um, no other facilities, though, lost their ICE contracts. And Biden has proposed funding for 30, 32,500 immigrant detention beds in his budget, which is a modest decrease from 34,000. It's nothing, right? Um, f- which was under Trump, funded by Trump. One of the biggest uh, ICE detention centers, which is a private detention center, is called WIN. Uh, and that is in Louisiana. Southern Poverty Law Center in June called on the Biden administration to cancel its contract citing abuse, medical neglect, racism, and other mistreatment of the facility, which is tucked in a dense forest in rural, rural Louisiana and ringed by barbed wire. I can speak. Um it is so upsetting to me. I don't know, Nato, how you read this these two stories coming down this week, but that this is a week also where people like Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida is blaming COVID on immigrants. This is Ron DeSantis Florida where the Delta variant has gone rampant. It has the biggest, the worst outbreak uh, since the pandemic began is happening right now in Florida. There was something like 24,000 cases uh, on Saturday. He's blaming immigration. And instead of being like, you know, for obviously that's ridiculous. We know, uh, you know, that that is a ridiculous claim. But instead of being like, no, it's not coming in through immigrants and I'm going to drop this like draconian immigration rule that was enacted by Trump because of the pandemic to prove that migrants are not bringing COVID, right? They're seeking asylum. He just continues it, which sort of feeds into the narrative that people like Rhonda Santos are even putting out there.
2: The, I mean, it's, it's so dumb on so many levels, like, you know, I mean, it's, to some extent, um, uh, the, the Biden administration, like, there's no, you know, there are some things where you, you can understand the, the, why, what the political challenge is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, where there, you know, I mean, it's like, like, you know, we talk about defund the police on here, and there are certainly, like, a lot of Democrats who don't, Democratic voters who don't under, don't support defunding the police. Sure. And so, like, you could sort of understand the political calculus, but it's actually, like, essential to Democratic's political victory to appeal to immigrant voters. And the fact that, like, there's no, you know, that they keep, uh, that they're so unserious about addressing that issue. And then I don't know if you followed it on, if you watched it on Twitter this week, but, like, when, you know, when these stories were coming out about Biden's detention policies, the the replies to those stories to Associated Press were like, don't be so, you know, all these liberals, you know, the like pussy hat type people, you know, Yas Queen, uh, uh, et cetera, hashtag the resistance, who, you know, for years with Trump were like, this is not who we are. America doesn't put people in cages now that Biden is doing it are back to, you know, well, give him, he's only been in six months, he can only move so quickly on so many things, and it's really hard, and what's he supposed to do, and like the level of apology by liberals, or just like, lack of interest yeah. you know like, like you and i both know immigrant rights activists who spent years under obama raising the alarm about these kinds of human rights abuses going in on in these detention facilities mm-hmm. and then like all you know a bunch of like a lot of liberals sort of discovered it when trump was doing got outraged and then are back to being like not caring about immigrants at all it's so cynical
1: so cynical and, and like look yes our families detained now instead of children without their parents yeah it's called family detention and it's almost, it's not nearly as bad, but it's close to as bad. It's still awful. It's still detaining people with young children and kids who are spending, you know, months or years of their lives in these places. And again, like, uh, the, it is, it is proven, right? These folks are not dangerous. they are not criminals. They are seeking refuge. They have their asylum claims. It's on y'all. It's on the backed up asylum system and the court system. It's on the lack of resources going into that. We pour more into you know, drones to follow migrants as they cross the border. um yeah, and also like. I'm sorry. I, I'm just. I. I. We need to move on. But it's. It is incredibly frustrating because there are so many other ways, and it's documented that this is. This is a commu- community that does not pose a threat to anybody. They are on fleeing violence. In fact, and that. Yeah, if it's an ankle bracelet, if it's a num, if it's check-ins, if it's appointments, you know, ankle bracelet still feels very inhuman to me. Um, but there are other ways, and actually, it is proven that those folks, because they are seeking asylum, do show up. their appointments do because they do want to long-term be safe they don't want to be under threat of deportation they do want to live here join families have a job etc 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 so yeah
2: look if if the government wants to track them, they don't need ankle bracelets they just need to give them iphones (laughs) yeah
1: exactly
2: like the rest of us
1: just kidding we love you um
2: mr the government mr
1: tim cook and the government i'm a good person okay uh i am also broadcasting this on youtube you guys we're gonna read your comments after because i feel so bad that i've left our guests hanging but super excited to have them. They are, they are a national lead organizer with Common Defense and an Army combat veteran who served as an intel analyst within the United States Special Operations Command. Their last deployment was to Afghanistan with SF task forces from 2015 to 2016. They previously organized and managed LB, LGBTQ plus events throughout the East Coast, focusing on repealing the transgender ban and the repeal of DOMA. Uh, they hold a degree in anthropology with a minor in community organizing, and they have been featured in such outlets as Now This, Huffington Post, and Inkstick Media. Please welcome Esti LaMonica. La Yay,
0: you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Francesca? What's going on, Nato?
2: Hello. Thanks Thank you for me, you. being welcome. here.
0: For sure. Thanks for having me. I'm really grateful to be here right now.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I I guess I wanted to ask you about your organization, Common Defense. Um, What is it like what I think that you guys are a different kind of veterans organization that what it do, what it do, though,
2: (laughs)
0: what it do,
1: though, Well, it do a lot of stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, we
0: are the largest grassroots progressive uh, veteran membership organization in the nation, uh, which differs from a lot of other organizations because they don't have uh, such a vast and supportive membership as we do. And I'm sure some of them are, are hitting up the comments right now saying the exact same thing. Uh, we started in 2016 as Vets Against Trump. Uh, three of our amazing co-founders, Alex Perry and Jose Vasquez, who sends his regards to you, Francesca, um, mm. you know, uh, started outside in New York City protesting outside of Trump Tower and grew it into this incredible organization that we have today. Uh, we work on you know various campaigns like ending the Forever War. Uh, we played a huge role in that. A lot of racial justice work, climate justice work. Uh, as well as multiple ways that we contribute to ongoing advocacy stuff like LGBTQ plus issues um, and various other things. But we have over two hundred and fifty thousand amazing uh, supporters, as well as two hundred very engaged cadre in all fifty states. And you know, we're here and we're doing work, and we're putting you know the veteran narrative out there in spaces where. Uh, it's either missing or it's uh, a little bit different than, than let's say, our, our progressive agenda has. And we're here to reclaim, you know, the veteran voice.
1: Hell yeah. I mean, it must have been uh, incredibly uh, intense and frightening to be serving in the military uh, when Trump became president. And when he announced his ban on trans people serving in the military um, you being non-binary, how did that impact you? And then more generally, you know, what is it like being non-binary uh, or LGBTQ plus in the military? I thought you were just gonna say in life. I was like, well, it's amazing in life. <laughs> that's um, that's how, really great.
2: How, how is it in life
1: to,
2: <laughs> to be from the future? Oh. Um, the, the, the tr- my, my recollection is that the trans ban was lifted under Obama and the implementation was underway and then So that was like a like a late term Obama move, Mm. uh, and then and then Trump reversed it, right? um, To set it back, and you know, I I mean, I I fully affirm that trans people can should have the right to be murderers, also.
0: Yeah, (laughs) hundred percent. Back you up there. Um, Yeah, no. Thank you. So, I joined after uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was already uh, repealed during um, the end of the Obama administration. And, you know, when Trump sent out those three tweets that day, um, having already been openly serving, I identify as trans, non binary. Uh, most people were aware of that. However, there was no policies or doctrine in place uh, for me to feel comfortable. So, they actually allowed me to um, serve in whichever one of the binary genders that I chose. Mm. Uh, and that was, you know, just very kind of my, my unit in general. Uh, but once those, those three tweets went out, I, you know, had a huge shift, uh, overhaul of, of what was, you know, happening to me in the military. Um, no longer was I the fun trans non-binary person. I was, uh, you know, somebody who had a huge target on my back, and that was because, basically, within those tweets, Trump had allowed people to, you know, be very open about their transphobia and their homophobia. And you know, even though it wasn't actually passed into uh, law yet, it was very, um, very much so just on its way to to interrupting the military service. Which is funny because the tweet says that you know trans people, uh, you know, are going to be banned because we are disruptive to the military service. Uh, mm. And it was just what a, a twist of words and, you know, what the reality actually was there. But I know a bunch of trans soldiers. I actually worked, I was stationed in um, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I worked out of the LGBTQ center a lot. Uh, once he tweeted that, we had went around with a petition trying to get a bunch of the active duty people on base to sign up uh, asking, you know, for this not to happen. And we had about one or two successful days before somebody uh, sent me a threatening letter uh, mm-hmm. saying that if, if I didn't put a stop to this, that, you know, I was going to be beaten and harassed and all of these things. And uh, you know, for my safety, we, we did stop though. I, I wish I didn't, but it was, you know, positive and, and negative vibes um, surrounded, surrounded me, you know, and I was caught off guard that this was happening from, you know, a commander in chief that I I swore to, you know, defend and, and, you know, obey his orders. And I, I couldn't follow that one, obviously what
2: What was your what was your specific job?
0: So I was an intelligence analyst for Special Forces units., uh, we went on multiple deployments, and I was basically there just supplying them anything that they needed to know, tracking units and and other groups around on the ground mm-hmm.
2: and 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 uh, how did gender have to help your? uh, work analyzing intelligence for special forces.
0: <laughs> My gender really helped me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they say the best Intel analysts are trans non-binary people. Huh?
2: I've always, I've always heard that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's like I think it's definition actually. Um, no, yeah. it's, you know, I was, I have always been somebody who has moved up.
2: Beer before liquor, never sicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trans non-binary intelligence analysts, good.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've right. always like moved up fast within, uh, you know, my, my roles throughout my lifetime and, and within the military, it was the same and people trusted me. I was a good soldier. I actually went to a school where you become a sergeant. And for the first time ever in that school, I won every single award and I, you know, swept the floor and, and people were always amazed by me and, you know, saw how good of a leader I was and how much I, you know, uh, you know, was a, just a, a great soldier overall. And deploying overseas, none of that changed. You know, my battle buddies, my people I deployed with, could look to you know both both sides of them, and if I was next to them, just trust that I was going to be able to get the job done, um, mm-hmm. and you know that I was not trying to disrupt anything except with maybe some like fun songs and funner colors than our foreign camo. But-
1: <laughs> I want I wanted to ask you, obviously, Common Defense being a progressive veterans organization that does call out and work against you know endless war. Um, You know, how do you square that in terms of, um, you know, being against a lot of U.S. foreign policy and a lot of what the military has come to represent? Let's be real with a lot with with the endless war ever since 9-11 and before um, and also still organizing within that space for LGBTQ plus rights and and that kind of equity. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just
0: like a quick foreign policy in itself is very like dark and cynical. And, you know, we've overthrown so many governments and destroyed people's homes and lives. And, uh, you know, being part of the anti-war movement in itself is, is you know, an ongoing effort that we are, are very much still working on within common defense, especially as far as like the, we're supporting obviously the repeal of the authorization of use of military force um, that came out uh, in 2001. And you know, just being a part of the LGBTQ+ plus community and, and doing this work in, in itself is challenging because a lot of people will even question my veteran status. Um, mm. I look I look young. I don't look like uh, the, the you know normal veteran. Um, and uh, being able to you know come here and, and be part of this progressive organization has allowed me to find my space in the veterans world. I, I denounced my vet status when I got out of the military. I had wanted nothing to do with politics. Um, and it wasn't until I found common defense that I, I finally found my home. Um, and you know, there's a bunch of, of other folks just like me. And I I can look at our meetings and see people who look like me, who sound like me. Uh, mm-hmm. and it,
1: so, yeah, it's, it's great. I, because I think like I, I, what NATO was saying, you know, obviously joking, but like the idea that, you know, I think that for a lot of folks on the left where we're like, well, we don't see the military as a space to kind of like make better because we don't often agree with what the u.s military is doing around the world and yet that's where you have you know the the lack of attention the lack of seeing that from the left and from progressives as an organizing space you know then leads to massive amounts of harm being done to soldiers who are serving um and that there is there can be a vision for a less (laughs) belligerent uh force and less occupational force uh that the u.s military currently serves so
0: Definitely, for sure. I mean, I think that within the military itself, you know, people are very well aware of, you know, the, the troubles that we have, but the fact that it's not talked about in any sort of media on the regular, um, you know, unless it is something that usually involves higher ranking people, um, or, you know, Congress members themselves, uh, the military is often swept under the rug, especially enlisted soldiers. And I think mm-hmm. that is such, you know, a, a thing for people to say, you know, I'm, I'm here and I support the military. And if I come up and I walk up to them and I say, guess what? I'm a trans non-binary veteran. They're going to be like, F you, you know, Uh, because I don't
2: not that military. Yeah.
0: Not that military. Right. So, you know, you can't say that you support, um, the military and all soldiers when you, when you first off don't even really know what's going on. Uh, and secondly, you know, you don't actually support all soldiers and there's, there's so much, you know, um, corruption within, you know, just the, the military and within its funding. Um, you know, just everything that has been like recently kind of dug up of the trillions of dollars that have been sent, spent on this endless war overseas. Uh, and, you know, now people are, depending on what's in the news, you know, people are either, oh, yes, gung ho, go to war, military, or no, get back, you know, stay home, don't, we should disband the military entirely. So it's, you, it's yeah, really you like are,
1: the- you are like a glitch in, like the cognitive dissonance it takes for a right winger to understand like your identity and role and like ideology is just like what? what do you mean like
2: <laughs> there there's a there's a comedian who had a very funny joke earlier on in the Iraq War his name is Jerome Bauman where he would be like you know you know anti-war people would be like bring the troops home and and then you know pay, you know people would be like how dare you undermine the war effort and they'd be like okay leave the troops there <laughs> no not that either. <laughs> Uh, Esty, can I ask, like, what, what, can you tell us a little bit about sort of your personal trajectory? Like, what was the point at which your own critique of the military developed? Like, what was the turning point for you personally?
0: Good question. Um, So, you know, a lot of folks who join the military join right out of high school, and it's because, you know, they don't have uh, anything lined up in their path, and there's a there is like a you know high school to uh, military pipeline that specifically targets a lot of youth of color, black and brown males specifically, um, trying to get them put them on the front lines of uh, you know wars, these endless wars. Um, I actually joined later in life because I had always thought that I wanted to make a bigger impact and be a hero, um, and I thought what better way to do that than join the U.S. Army. Um, actually, I tried to join the Air Force, but they said I had too many tattoos. So I, I don't know why oh, that yeah. wasn't like a red flag already, but I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to, I joined the Army uh, when I was 24 years old. And, you know, within the first two weeks, I uh, realized that I had made a giant mistake. And that is because I saw a fellow soldier uh, drawing swat stickers in uh, what we had like Green Book, our notebook. And I told the drill sergeant about it because we were at basic training and he said, it's fine. It's fine. He's, he's going to be a cook anyway. So, you know, don't worry about him.
1: And that was, that was when I knew. That's like the least safe place for a Nazi maybe. I don't know. (laughs) You do not want them cooking up anything.
2: Nazis are known for their cooking. (laughs) Uh.
1: Soup soup Nazi. (laughs) Actual literal soup Nazi. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, um, so yeah, that was. But I, I will say that was like my first inkling that you know there, this is not what I expected it to be. Um, you know, I thought I was going to go overseas and and help people and save people and you know make make the world a better place. And and on my first deployment when I went overseas, I, I quickly found out that you know we are there as cogs in this machine that is you know the military industrial complex, and uh, I mean nothing to them. Uh, my body means nothing to them, and I am here fighting these endless wars and ruining people's homes and, and, you know, watching innocent people die, uh, you know, so that people can benefit and profit off of me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, I, you know, wanted to put an end to it. And I, I tried to get out. I did not know about, um, about, you know, uh, trying to uh, get get out any other way except, you know, getting high or something and getting caught on a drug test, which I did not do. Um, but I did end up getting injured overseas. So that was, that was my out.
1: Wow. Or uh, did are, you're not a conscientious objector, are you? No,
0: no, I'm not. Many, many people I know are, but I was not, I did not know mm-hmm. about it to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really, um, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying you would have been, but that is a common thread from a lot of anti-war vets that I've spoken to who, um, didn't know that it was an option. Um, to become a conscientious objector, but I guess I wanted to ask you about, given, like, this is something that I've been, I've been dying to talk to a vet about, which is January 6th, right, and the number of, like, former military personnel that were in that crowd, um, and in the insurrection, you know, storming the Capitol, how did that did that make sense to you? Was it weird to you? Is it was it an outgrowth of some of the divisions you already saw kind of forming, you know, you know, among rank and file when you were when you were serving? Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say it was weird or surprised by any means. I, I think I saw it within the military too. That you know.
2: Was Was the Nazi cook there? <laughs> yeah.
0: I haven't been able to identify him yet, but I'm looking. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but this is like a prime example of the extremism, you know, within the military. And I think it's one in 10, or maybe it's like one in five now of those charged have been identified as veterans uh, or having military ties. And, you know, some of us take our our combat and wartime training and, you know, leave it behind when we get out of the military. Uh, And I guess some of us use it to storm the Capitol and threaten elected officials. I'm not really sure, you know what exactly was going through all of their minds but i am i am not surprised and i think that you know people who use their war tactics and trainings to um you know attack anywhere on on this country that they swore to defend uh, are just not patriots i wouldn't say that they are you know they represent any sort of veteran identity that me and you know the thousands of other vets i know represent uh we have our you know values that we all knew we had our oath that we all took and that is not reflective of, of veterans i would say in my opinion these people were extremists they were terrorists
2: um so you know a lot of times people i mean what's it's like a lot of us don't have any connection to the military and a lot of us see foreign policy as something that that happens to somebody else and so like you know it's like maybe you feel bad about it or mostly you try to think about it and so could you talk some about like why the military and American foreign policy is a domestic concern uh, that people who have no personal connection to the military should care about?
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, uh, I'll just start with funding in general that, like, oh, <laughs> the amount of funding that goes into the military of itself that could be used for other things such as infrastructure here uh, in the United States or, you know, people who are struggling to pay rent right now and, and eat during this national pandemic, uh, kids who can't afford to go to college. Um, you know, there's a, there's a huge um, push for, for more, you know, foreign policy work that doesn't necessarily need to happen. um, And a huge amount of funding that goes into it that should be going elsewhere. But I think that people don't realize that just because things aren't happening here on the home ground, that there's not, uh, you know, threats that are happening every single day of their lives, whether that is, you know, someone uh, is, planning something here in the United States or or, over, or overseas to attack the United States. And, uh, you know, what is going on on a daily basis where people are collecting Intel and disrupting things that, um, could really affect people. And I think also living in New York city, as I do, you know, I've seen people come from all over to times square and say things in times square, like, Oh, this is where, you know, somebody almost bombed it recently, like, and taking selfies and talking of that nature. And it's like a joke to them, but like, War isn't a joke, like just because we aren't necessarily at a combative war here in the United States, it does not mean that there's, you know, other wars that we are not fighting that we are ignoring, you know, here also.
1: Mm. Our longest war just came to an end, actually. And, uh, you know, uh, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I know you did serve in Afghanistan. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on the, the wind down and the finally the the exit of troops from that country. Um, and what you what common defense is calling on for the Biden administration to do? Um, maybe you mentioned the AUMF or DOMA.
2: The no, not DOMA.
1: Uh, DOMA is don't what's DOMA again? Defense, defense, defense of Marriage defense Act. Defense of oh, defense. I was like DOMA. We're still calling, yeah. I was still I don't know why I confused that with the military thing. Forget what I just said.
2: You're confusing DOMA and data.
1: Yeah, and da- uh, and DARPA. DARPA, yeah something no No, it's not it's it's not anything it was umph. it was the umph that i was wondering about but yeah tell me about i haven't
0: heard (laughs) i haven't heard of darpa but i like it um we're all for it whatever it is um
1: (laughs) scary um that's like where the robots are like you know like the next country we invade and occupy is going to be done all by those dancing robots and they're gonna be like
2: isn't wasn't darpa some plot point in the americans wasn't it like some Soviet software that they were used well, studying in no, DARPA,
1: that? I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it is a special unit of intelligence, military intelligence, like the cutting, cutting edge of of new technology used for war. Oh. Um yeah. That's what
2: DARPA so, sorry. Sorry, SD, we got to say that. Uh, oh,
1: it's so okay. I like but the robot like yeah.
0: space force. Um for yeah. sure. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I, I the last time I was there was 2016. I cannot tell you how excited, not only that I have been to work with Common Defense to help end this forever war, but that it is actually very close to an end now. I think the new estimate is by August 31st, all U.S. troops will be uh, off the ground there. Uh, besides, you know, supporting the repeal of the AUMF and, you know, having Congress or helping Congress, uh, you know, reclaim their constitutional authority to conduct oversight of U.S. foreign policy. Um, And, you know, independently debate whether to use military force, I think, is like a huge next step that we support. But we also um, are hoping to get all of the interpreters evacuated as quickly as possible. Last week, I think the first round of uh, Afghan interpreters came home and I think it was or came to the U.S. And I think it was less than one percent of the total that they are expecting to bring over. Um, And, you know, they're expecting that they're going to be bringing folks over even after U.S. troops have departed. And I just want to make sure that they are all safe and that they, you know, get here quickly and that we can all welcome them, you know, with with open arms for what they have helped us do uh, overseas in this forever war. And, you know, so that's that's kind of our our next step. But, yeah, I personally I am going to feel so much relief uh, once everyone has has withdrawn from Afghanistan the amount of just the entire cost of war, the, the things I've seen, the people I've lost that too many of us have lost, it's it's about long overdue that, that we are pulling out of there. There's nothing more that we could achieve that we haven't already tried or already done. Yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful that, that this is finally happening and Common Defense is responsible for it. There's a front page New York Times article we framed in our office that says, you know, fighting an forever war using our language, so it's awesome. That is,
1: that's excellent.
2: Um, Congratulations, it's sort of, it's so dizzying to think about that like, you know, you were talking about people enlisting out of high school and that that means that there are people newly enlisted in the American military now who were born when Afghanistan, the war in Afghanistan began.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I was in fifth grade, and I'm I'm from, born and raised in New York City. I remember that smoke. I remember that day. I remember that feeling and, and watching people run and scream and, and going to see the aftermaths of it. And never would I have thought that years later I'd be fighting in the same war.
1: The same war. Yeah, like... The same wrong war. Right. I mean, they were both wrong, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um. I wanted to ask in, you know, just sort of, Final thoughts, big picture stuff. Big picture. Like, um, in a dreamlike futuristic, progressive utopia, call it whatever you want. I would call it democratic socialism, whatever. What what do you imagine the US military looks like? What's the role? You know, let's say we divert money, let's say we wind, you know. I mean, now I'm painting what I'm like. I, I like, but like.
2: Start by describing the more fabulous uniforms.
1: Yes. Start <laughs> <way. laughs> by describing what color are we wearing? Yeah. Depends on the season. We- you never know. Yeah. yeah. Um. But no, I I agree with. Can
2: you, Can you have
1: camouflage sequins? How does it work? <laughs> Let's talk about it. No, Everything- that defeats the whole purpose. NATO. Ugh.
0: <laughs> this is yeah. See, this is a lack of education about the U.S. military. But no. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I definitely, you know, uh, agree with uh, your, your first sentiments. I think that, you know, the, the military has this awesome opportunity. I mean, the DOD, um, you know, takes a huge part in humanitarian assistance and aid and utilizing that as like the first and foremost um, reason for the military. Uh, I think going into anywhere, thinking that, you know, this is, this is for war, this is to fight in a war, uh, is already going in with the wrong mindset. Uh, But that's just, you know, a a quick overview. And I think there's, there's things that we can, you know, help with as far as like starving countries and natural disasters that occur that the U S military would be uh, great for. Um, But there's a lot that has to change, you know, the extremism, the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, you know, all of the things that, that go into what sadly the U S military is today. I'm not proud to say I serve sometimes I'm embarrassed because I know what, you know, it, it is about, and I know what happens. And you see, you know, these articles coming up about uh, you know, Vanessa Guillen and and everything that happened with um, you know, around the MJIA. And it's just shocking to me that people still like that. That's already, you know, old news. People still aren't talking about it, but there's still not a real fix. Um, So we, first and foremost, you know, we need to put policies in place and hold people accountable, no matter what rank they are um, and, you know, get them out of the military, those that need be and have more extensive background checks of those coming in because, you know, a lot of people do think that, that the military is just a, you know, a a war creating machine and, and, you know, creating those, those wartime soldiers and that's why they join. And that's not why someone should join because that's not what we're about. And that's not what we should be about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know why my mind is going to like, you guys are like the Jake Sully's of Avatar where you're like joining the resistance on Pandora. I'm just gonna talk about the movie Avatar because I like it, and you don't want to colonize. You want to live in harmony and learn. I see it. I see that. <laughs> um, no, I am. I've obviously, as someone who's put politicized around you know Afghanistan and and Iraq wars and and 9/11, I'm all about this, and I think veterans are never listened to enough truly they're used as props they're never given uh you know actual you know autonomy and sort of like like their own agency so thank you so much for coming on is there anything else you wanted to add that we didn't Um, get into
0: no i just i just would love to say that if you are you know a veteran listening or or watching it live right now to check out common defense you can go to commondefense.us uh, or, uh, Twitter is at common defense. And if you are a civilian supporter, we love donations as well. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for, you know, having me on and appreciate both of you, uh, for this awesome conversation that is, you know, too little, too often not talked about.
1: Absolutely. Um, all right. right, slash join. Thank you so much. SD take very good care. Um, be well, uh, thank you so much for fighting this good fight uh and yeah we'll see you again very soon uh and thank you all for being here you guys thank you for sticking around for joining the conversation thank you for uh telling me what DARPA stands for uh once again um let me scroll back to it I forgot it doesn't matter it's bad I don't like it defense activia people bad ow ah I don't know I, I don't even I don't even know things anymore. Um, I want to read some of your comments. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Kedge Dragon uh, on climate change. I trained as a forest fighter in Washington. I've been through tornadoes, floods, undertow. All in all, I'm hoping to die healthy and happy at home. Okay. Okay. I, thank you, Kedge. Good luck with that. Good luck. Thank thanks to you and your work. Hopefully, we can all die happy and at home. You know, when we're when the time is right. On Governor Cuomo Roosevelt, Republicans of America, imagine being the staffer paid to put this clip together. Yuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because, like, you'd have to comb through the, like, extra cringy photos where the person's clearly not consensually being kissed. Um, RBF Dragon, I'm the same person in public that I am in private. Okay, so you're a creep and don't respect boundaries at all times. Cool, cool, cool. On Tucker Carlson, Constrained Agency, if you like hungry so much, go live there. Honestly, Gary Cooper, Tucker's going to wear out his tongue licking all those fascist dictators boots. It's true. Yeah, it's a it's like an a strong IPA is what the flavor is. Todd Roy, thank you so much for all the work you do. Todd Tucker is so smug and glib. He doesn't have many in-person guests because they would slap him silly. Yeah. And it was funny to see him be the fluffer. Like it was funny to see him do the like, you know, whatever the the just kind of like rolling out the red carpet um on the Biden administration Martin Gale I'm from Guatemala it's sad it's a sad reality but the ICE detention centers are a better quality of life for some people than neighborhoods run by MS-13 or Barrio 18 18 why did I say that in Spanish uh, Guatemala is a very is very <laughs> evil I'm sad to say no that's true it's you know but that is a that is a low bar hey this is better than you know a gang violence yeah okay but it's still not good to be held against your will when you have done nothing wrong you've not committed a crime um and that you have family members most likely that you can join um terry berry zero trump is great for granting permission for evil people to act on their nature um named for mars the military is vital for the left to organize in always has been thank you And J Y P Z rocks. GOP doesn't support the troops; they support contractors. Very true. Um, Constrained agency. Also, the fact that the government abandons us when we leave the service it breeds a lot of rage, which white nationalists then exploit. Also, some people join the military to be killers. Okay, there's a lot of thoughts in there. Agreed. Um, Also, like the idea that homeless vets are is even a thing, like that is even an idea that we that like often those two words and things go hand in hand is egregious. It's an indictment of the entire military culture and this country in and of itself. Um, you guys, we have, we have one more segment, I think, but I, I, I let, I let SD go and I wanted SD to stay and I feel bad, but NATO, we can do this by ourselves. So how, what do you say? Sure. Okay. We've got one final segment. I want everyone to play along. This is going to be great. We've got the Olympics that is currently going on uh, really fun events like trampoline, why? Speed walking, why? Uh, Other weird... Water polo. I'm just going to keep it 100. I don't like water polo. I don't get it. It's dumb. Thank you. But if we were to be good at an Olympic sport, if we were to get a medal, so good at an Olympic sport that we would get a medal in it, not a current Olympic sport, but anything, any skill, what would it be? This is... My Olympic medal. Okay. Um, I, once again, feel bad that we let our guests go, but what would your Olympic medal be in? I will go first. Nato? I think I would get the bronze, I would get the silver in countertop wiping. I'm very good at wiping countertops. I see spills. I wipe them up. I'm really good. A lot of people don't even notice those things. I'm very good at that. I would also, I think, get gold in what I want to say is kvetching, but it's like, is kvetching also fault-finding? For me, I just, I'm like, hey, what's the problem? Really, it's bitching. I would just get gold in bitching. Whatever situation you're in, I will find your fucking flaws because that is the happy place that I live.
2: Oh, you would get the gold in being critical. Yes. Put Matt on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that he would beat me?
2: No, I just I want to hear his 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 take on that on that self-assessment. Oh, he
1: would 100 percent agree. Um, yeah. he gets the gold in like worrying and like future tripping. He gets uh-huh. that. I get the gold in being critical. I am once again uh very critical Virgo very particular. Uh, Nothing is ever good enough, including myself. Uh, Final thing I would get uh, a golden or maybe a silver in. I make my own eye cream. That's right, people. Yeah, girl makes her own DIY, uh, vitamin E infused with coffee grounds and green tea eye cream that she Got the recipe, too, because she looked up all the natural ingredients in the expensive eye creams that cost $180 that she was not going to buy. And then ordered them all off, you know, someherb.com place. And then... Mit-
2: someherb.com. Some, some someherb.com.
1: Some and then uh-huh. miss it all together in a little ball-marie. And uh, it's great. It's amazing. It works on the puffy circles, the wrinklies... I'm so, so good what at you're it.
2: saying is that you're free basing eye cream because you're cheap. Yes. Uh-huh. Gold
1: in eye, eye cream free base. All right. NATO?
2: Napping. <laughs> Golden napping. Really?
1: How do you do yeah. it? How does it just come naturally to you? Do you have to prep?
2: Uh I am like I'm bad at long naps, uh, but I'm super good at like lying down for 15 minutes closing my eyes having one rem cycle <laughs> and then being ready to go. I literally did it. Do you remember right before the show where I texted you and I was like, "Hey, can I be on in 10 minutes?" Yes. I took a 6-minute nap.
1: Jesus, I hate you. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I am so jealous uh, of that.
2: I was tired. I was like I I just knew that um I was tired cuz I uh uh stayed up late last night watching beverly hills cop on cable because it was on strong okay
1: uh,
2: and then and then and then i was tired and so i was like i should i would like a nap right now
1: and a six minute nap damn minute
2: you nap. actually got a rems uh, so you
1: actually fell asleep in that time
2: yes i felt rested so that's good
1: stuff okay what else
2: uh what else that am i super good at uh uh i'm um uh well so my my so my wife would say i have a few useful skills uh copy editing uh-huh. um good at good at uh removing excess words Ooh. from a text Ooh. um i'm also good i'm not particularly butch but i'm good i re- could remove a dead possum from the crawl space under our house <laughs> so i'm good at that Dead
1: possum removal needs to be an yeah. olympic sport like oh yeah. he's really got him oh and this he's one really
2: got this good form there
1: this one he, is entered in rigor mortis and the head has con- fallen off okay he's got to go back for the head
2: the, the carcass has exploded in his hands <laughs> he gripped too too hard and the you, carcass exploded you know you
1: think you want to pull by the tail but you actually don't you've got Obviously to get don't. the torso i think that's yeah. where he went wrong yeah Cross. <laughs> gross um from the comments eating chocolate chip cookies good uh procrastination eating cheese a lot of eating uh vacuuming mm, ignoring laundry oh, and
2: i see our friend haya says silver and ratatouille
1: Ooh, oh that's that's hard ratatouille is yeah. like real hit or miss so silver's good
2: uh- yeah i think the key is that you have to you have to cook all the vegetables separately
1: Right, I know.
2: Before you mix them back together. Yeah. So it's like a lot of potchki. It's a lot. The, I,
1: potch, what does that mean? Like
2: It's like a, it's a lot of hassle. A lot of uh,
1: yeah. different lot bowls. Of yeah, when you mix yeah. it all together, it just ends up tasting like the same mush. Yeah, and the cook right. time is different. Okay. Uh, troll hunting, says our mod Chuck. Uh, Chuck Diesel, thank you so much for troll hunting. And thank you guys for being here. Uh, Nato Green, where can people find your lovely work?
2: People uh, at NATO Green on Twitter, Mr. NATO Green on Instagram. Um, The uh, uh, I have a couple albums out. The best way to buy albums to support the arts is on Bandcamp, where I get the most royalties. Go on Bandcamp and buy both of my albums: the NATO Green Party and the Whiteness album. uh, Laughter Against the Machine on Means TV, and uh, which is the country's first and only post-capitalist subscription streaming video service. (laughs) And you know whatever find me out in these streets organizing the workers
1: Hell yeah thank you so much nato i hope to bless you with uh, a t-shirt very very soon and uh
2: oh i can you uh, can you help me because i have a problem where like all of my t-shirts get little holes where my belt buckle is so i need you some want me to help you with weight. that i, I it's a, I have a man problem where i get holes in my t-shirts so i need for
1: t- where your belt buckle is because it like put, yeah. pinches in
2: I guess, yeah. It's a, like, that's a big problem.
1: Okay, dude. All right, this is an offline conversation.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it requires one of my Cuomo gestures.
2: Yeah. Uh, Maybe you could just uh, touch my face uncomfortably.
1: I, I will kiss. I will kiss it away. All right. Take very good care, Nato. Be well. Okay. Good night. Bye. And thank you guys for being here. Thank you for your super chats, Robert, Rialin, and Martingale. Uh, Martingale. Carrie Venus, Mr. K, and to the new uh, Twitch subs during the show Thunderous Dragon, Micro Kimmy, Reaper714, Madrio17, Willy Gus again, Calico Mo, Kathy61, Hippie Spot, and Dragon007. I love you guys. Thank you so much to our new patrons. Uh, if there are any, patreon.com slash Bituation room. Go there, support this show. We don't have funders but you. You pay for this content. Thank you so much. And that supports my amazing team, Becca Roofer, Ellie Hoffman, Max Inhoff, and Alexandra Orness. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Next week, we got a big episode because it is number 100. That's right. And remember, guys, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it.